I have a really big truth bomb that I want to drop in your lap today. You ready for it? Okay, here it is. It doesn't matter what your life looks like on the outside to other people. And it also does not matter how many faces you try to put on to make yourself look like something that you're not. And it doesn't matter how many images you portray to make people think you feel a certain way about yourself knowing that you don't. What matters is you are the only person who completely and honestly know how you feel about you. You know about your mistakes. You know about your mishaps, your missteps. You know about your experiences. And you also know about things that you've done to other people, some that you're proud of and some that you are not. And you know about things that have been done to you. The fact of the matter is, it's time to get real. And it's time to learn how to honestly, openly, authentically, and fearlessly accept where you've been and accept where you are. It's time to get vulnerable. And if you can be vulnerable, and if you can accept where you are and where you've been, you can use those things to chart a path and go wherever you want to go in life. Because at the end of the day, you may hide from other people for a while, but you can never hide from yourself. Every day when you look in the mirror, no matter what you do to make yourself look like something else, you will always see you for you. So why not own it? In this episode, I sit down with Khadijah Tashawn Washington, therapist and owner of the Real Healing Center and author of the book Real. We discuss the power of owning your story and being vulnerable. Let's talk about it. Hello, and welcome to The Shift Zone. I'm your host, Val Dorsey. This podcast provides tips and tools to help you shift your mindset and shift your actions to both activate and step into your zones of personal and professional success. Hello, everyone. Today, we have with us Khadijah Washington. Hello, Khadijah. Hi, Val. So happy to be here. I have one question to ask you. Are you ready to step into the zone? I am ready to step into the zone. <laughs> Let's go. So I'm so excited about this conversation. And the reason I'm excited about it is because I read your book, Real, and I'm really trying to encourage people to shift in different areas in their life, whether it's mindset or actions that they need to take. And I read this book and it just made me say, I have to have her on the show. She has oh to come God. and talk to these people about real. But before oh we get goodness. into that, I want you to briefly tell the audience a little bit about yourself and let them know who you are. Okay, great, Val. My name is Khadija Tashawn Washington. I am a licensed clinical social worker, and that means I'm a psychotherapist. I am the author of Real Radical Empathic Acceptance of Life, and I'm also the founder of Real Healing Center. So I focus on working with people around trauma and healing ourselves and relationships. This book has allowed me to touch so many people's lives and just talk with them about this whole idea of radical empathy. And I can honestly say that when I read the book, it touched me and, you know, I reached out to you because it just made me feel so comfortable with mm -hmm. my life mm -hmm. because you were so mm -hmm. transparent in the book. Thank you. 
what I want to start off talking about is something that I personally have struggled with my entire life. And that has been being vulnerable. Mm. We want to protect ourselves and we want to be private. And I know that I'm a very private person. I don't disclose a lot when it comes to my personal life. And I know Mm. how uncomfortable it can be to want to be vulnerable, but be afraid to do so because you you don't trust people. You don't trust yourself to be vulnerable. So can you just give us a little bit of a snippet from the book? Because you talked about some things that were really personal in your life. I talked about a lot of things, right? And the the book real, it really you sort of deep dives. It, It jumps right into my childhood. This jumps right in to being a young child growing up in New York City. I grew up in New York City. I came from a single parent household. I was the youngest of seven kids, right? And my mother, my grandmother, they all sort of lived in a lot of chaos and a lot of struggle. And I talk about how that impacted me when I started being a young adult, right? And going out here and facing relationships, how it impacted me as a person relationships and just how much I didn't believe in myself, right? The choices that I made and and why was I making these choices in men? Why was I making these choices in jobs? How I was continuing to struggle, right? And being a professional now and being a therapist, you know, someone that someone comes to for help, I think it was important for me to write it as my memoir because sometimes you go to professionals and you start thinking, they ain't been through nothing. They had a perfect house. They grew up in a perfect home. They had a perfect husband or wife or spouse, whatever. And I'm trying to tell you, most of us have been through some stuff. We really have. And the only only thing I chose to do was to say, it's okay. It's okay that I made these decisions because I understand what they came from. I understand what my mother and my grandmother had to do to survive. I understand how strong they are. I understand how flawed they are as well. And you can accept all of that, all of that vulnerability is just kind of saying, yeah, you know what? I did my best though. I never had a day where I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to do something janky or, you know what I'm saying? It was like, I did the best that I knew how to do. And when I knew better, I did better. And you see that hopefully all throughout the book, there were so many challenges, but then there was also challenges I overcame and being just okay with myself. And, you know, it was, and You know, people look at professionals, like you say, Mm -hmm. and when they don't really know you personally, the things that you have gone through are like the last things that they would think about. Because, you know, you and I met in a group and this just never came out. I never knew these things about you. You never talked about them, but, you know, we never asked because we were always there talking about our businesses, the next move, things of that nature, how we can help each other. But the personal things never came out. So when I read this book and you talked about your childhood and how it was just not the picture perfect childhood, I was like, whoa. So many people, you know, reach out to me and they're looking for help. And I will always ask people, you know, as part of my assessment tool, when I meet with them, before we agree to work with each other, I'd be like, you know, and tell me about your trauma. Tell me about your childhood trauma. Tell me about some things that, you know, how did you grow up? And believe it or not, most of us, those are the people that call me will be like, I didn't have any trauma, right? I'll be like, I didn't have any trauma. I, nothing bad happened, nothing. And then I'll go, okay, no problem. And so I'll go on with the interview. And, and then 
10 minutes later, they're like, you know, except for that one time I was sexually assaulted in high school and then, and they'll just keep, they keep going. Yeah, that's trauma. They don't even recognize what they've experienced is trauma. You know what I mean? So that was a big piece that when people read this book and they they came to me and they DM my DMs and messaging me, they were like, first like you, Val, I had no idea. I've known you, Khadija, since middle school. You were always so happy and go lucky and, you know, funny. I would have had no idea. And you know what I said? Because I was so great at wearing a funny mask. I perfected my mask. And there's so many people who are sitting right next to you right now who have perfected wearing a mask. And you just think they have it all together and they go home to a fantastic situation and they don't. And you know, when I read the book about your childhood and how you grew up poor and you talked about one instance where you went and you lived with this other family and you were kind of like in a fantasy land with this other family and then you had to go back to your family, which was nothing like that. That yeah. was just amazing. Like the, the perspective of what you yeah. wanted to be versus where you actually were. Yeah. I had such a fantastic childhood, you know, growing up in New York city and being around the air, the art, the culture, the music, the rhythm of New York city. It's just something Genuine, you know, I always say like I was from Harlem and I was from like the original Harlem. So like everything was so blacktastic. Everything was just so amazingly in the way that we talked and walked. And so going into this whole other environment and realizing, wow, like they live completely differently. They have a different set of expectations. It made me kind of come back and really start looking at the world a lot differently. Just that kind of exposure. And it wasn't like a better or worse thing. It was like, this is different. Do people know that this is out there for them? And then I just started being curious about the world and and other forms of things, you know, relationships. And did everything have to be so hard? And was everything going to be a struggle? And I think that, you know, that was one of those pivotal moments in my childhood where it was like, I knew that I was going to be doing this the rest of my life. I knew I wanted to be Frasier Crane from nine years old. When I was reading the book and I just sat there and thought about it, I said, she talked about her childhood. She talked about what she perceived as the flaws of her mother. She talked about pretty much kind of raising herself a lot, you know, kind of having a a part of your childhood kind of stolen per se. You talked about the first child that you had being in college, Mm -hmm. the divorce. I mean, you, yeah. I talked about all of it. You talked about all of it. Unapologetically, just put it out there. Unapologetically. But I mean, the even deeper part of this is like some of my family members, they read the book and they came to me and they said, wow, this book gave me permission to talk about who abused me when I was suicidal. Right. What you didn't know. There was a whole other side of my family and siblings and cousins that I didn't even know happened to them. Because remember, we're not always together the whole childhood, right? Right. So I'm like, this book opened up so many doors, both within my family and people and extended families to say, we need to start having a conversation about what's happened to us. Can't change, right? But to say that we need to at least acknowledge what happened to us. And I think that's part of our healing story is acknowledging what even happened? Because there's so many people, they wear that mask so well because, because they don't want to go back to why am I the way that I am? 
Why do I respond the way that I respond? And a lot of that has to do with, I was responding from a very survivalist instinct, from a very parentified instinct, from a very, I have to take care of people and I have to achieve in order to receive love. That's the way I thought. So that's the way I acted. And so many people are like, well, you don't have to do that. Well, I didn't know. We assume that people know what to do and people know how to treat us and know how to love us. I absolutely didn't know. I can guarantee you I didn't know. But there were so many people who gave me compassion along my journey that I was like, okay, I was open to learn. It wasn't the end of my story. You say it allowed people to talk about what happened to them. But you know what else I picked up on? It allowed you to talk about how you felt. You may not have known some things that that happened to your siblings, your cousins. And I can guarantee you when they read the book, they didn't know how you felt. And they probably quickly realized that a lot of what you felt was what they felt. You just talked about it. Absolutely. A lot of people felt how I felt. And I think what happens, we have a big family. A lot of things were unknown. Right. There was a lot of gray areas where I had to be like, what happened to my grandmother? Like, what happened to these grandkids? Like, what happened to, you know what I'm saying? I talk about substance abuse. I talk about mental illness. There's so much disconnection, right, that happens in the midst of our trauma. The story that we think we have about our family isn't always the story. And it isn't always the whole story. It usually is literally what I like to say. You looked at life through your lens but you didn't get to see everybody else looking through theirs. So you know your perspective and Truly Real is a book that's spoken from the 10-year-old part of me, the 20-year-old part of me, the 30-year-old part of me, but that doesn't mean it's the whole story. Right, because you only you only know your story and the right. only truth that you can really fully share is your truth. <laughs> Absolutely, and it was... It was so monumental because it allowed my brothers, sisters, my family to really start looking at if you're holding on to unforgiveness, if you're holding on to a lack of compassion, are you are you holding on to that because you simply don't know the rest of someone else's story? We really don't. We take for granted and we think we know everything. We think we know why everybody did what they did. What I've learned in as being a therapist, right, working in this mental health field is there's two things people usually struggle with knowing what they want and asking for what they want. Mm. Those are huge things. People don't know a lot of times and then people don't know how to ask, but you know what, even though they don't know and they don't ask, they'll still be hurt and pain, sorrowful and feel all the other emotions, not realizing they've never asked for what they wanted. And they weren't for sure knowing what exactly they wanted either. So, you know, you can kind of look at that whole story of vulnerability like, yeah, if you just maybe sometimes know and ask, you change your whole life. You really do. And, you know, Khadijah, I have a book that actually writing right now. And that's something that I talk about, just getting quiet, getting still, sitting with yourself and figuring out what do I want? Mm. Because a lot of people can't answer that. And if you can't answer that question, you really have some work to do. That's that's so that's so powerful that I did this. The powerful course is called I just led in December called Fear, a healing story. And it was 10 beautiful women. And it's shocking, right? How many times someone can become of age, right? Have full lives and families and never sit back and ask themselves, 
what is it that I even want? They've been performing their entire lives and never fulfilling, just doing something. Because when you don't, and then you start getting all of these things, and everything that's showing up looks funny. You start getting things that you thought you wanted, but you never ask yourself, what do I want? And then when you get all of this other stuff, it's nothing you wanted. (laughs) You know, it's it's nothing. But one of the reasons I've been really focusing on and trying to just have conversation about shifting into vulnerability is because it shifts you into freedom. It really does. Yes, it does. And I feel like when I read your book, you know, I sent you a message and I said, okay, Khadijah, you know, this book made me want to just really own my truth and just say everything. Okay. I, I can talk about some of the ways that I felt like it's okay. Well, I mean, it's okay. I mean, that you, you think about it like this, right? I had to do a lot of work. I think that's what um, confused people, right? Because they were like, you were professional. You had your license for 15 years. You've done all these things. I would have never thought your life was like this. I would have never thought you've been. And I said, just imagine so many other people's lives are like this. But you know why they don't probably share? Because they have shame, right? When you do Mm -hmm. your healing work, I don't have any shame about my life. I love my mother. I love my family. I love everything that happened to us because I look at my family and go, if we could do it, right? And we are all here. We're all well. So can you. You don't have any excuses. There's no, I don't wake up and be like, there's nothing, there's literally nothing I can't do that I want to do. And I would never think that I would be able to say that. I would never be able to say, you know, I woke up one day and I was in the worst place in my life this year, right? And I woke up and 10 days later, I was in Africa and it changed life. Literally. (laughs) Right. I said, no, it's yeah, like, I it was you. giving very much luxury. You. It was giving very much luxury. But I say that because it's such a blessing to show people. You can read a book like Real and be like, Khadija came from literally right. the hoodest of hoods, yes. right? And went, to, and went to Africa with 10 days notice after a major tragedy, right? And what, what, what? else, right? What what other kind of belief? What other kind of belief in yourself? What other kind of belief in God do you really need? I hold no shame in my story. There's no shame. So when someone tried to tell me, well, you share too much. You know, you're talking about your relationship. You're talking about your kids. You're talking about this. You're talking about that. You don't need to tell all of that. I'm a private person. And I said, you know what I said? This is my purpose. God put me here to tell my story. So if you don't like it, mute me unfollow me. You don't have to be in my life. So you don't even be a risk, a risk or, you know, involved in that story. But I'm trying to tell you now, there is no way I would listen to you over God. Right. And you know what? I'm glad you said that because that's something that's going to always come up. You know, a lot of us don't share our stories because of personal shame, because of the thought that you may hurt the feelings of someone who may have been involved in your story. You know, like your family, you know, you you may be afraid of how they may perceive it. But then a lot of times it's because you are concerned about people's opinion of you that don't really matter. Absolutely. It don't really matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. I sat here and I said, 
okay, so what if they know that I was stupid? Is that the worst thing that I, I've, I've been stupid before? Right. You know what I'm saying? I didn't make some mistakes from some really, I've done worse. This, this book don't have all of my stories, Val. It don't have all of them. It got the ones I wanted to share. It didn't have the worst ones. I didn't tell everything. You understand what I'm saying? I told, I told, I told the stories that had the purpose around radical empathy. And what you realize is Khadija, I have a lot of pride and I have no shame. So therefore, if I shared it, it was it was for a purpose. I didn't share everything, but some things just didn't need to be shared, right? I don't share the stories that I'm like, I'm talking bad about this and who that. It was like, I would share it if I thought that it was going to shift, change a life, right? To create light in someone's life. But you going around, see, to me, there's difference between gossiping and sharing a story. And it's all about the intention, right? It is all about why am I sharing this story about my son and his father or my my former husband? Why am I sharing that story? Because some woman out there is looking at her life and going, what about me? Right. When do I get a chance to be happy or peace? Or why do I have to take care of everybody? When do I get to fall apart in someone else's arms? Right. So many people called me and was like, wow, I've been through it. I've been through it. I said the same thing. I said the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, Khadija's my girl. We kind of almost on the same page, maybe not completely in a lot of aspects. But, you know, how that feeling that you get when you're young, like, man, these responsibilities, like, can I just be a kid? (laughs) Can I just be a kid? (laughs) You know, you a lot of times you think that you're the only person that that feels like that. But you know what the the power of sharing does? It allows you to connect with people. Mm. It's the, vulnerability promotes connection. Absolutely. Because once you Absolutely. put your story out there, you realize that you are not the only one. There is a whole tribe of people around you who feel just like you. And then they realize that they're not the only ones. I save some of the DMs that people send me and screen, just save them for myself, right? But when I started getting messages from people telling me this was the first time they read my book and they decided to go get a therapist, they decided for the first time to go on that vacation, they decided for the first time to fall in love, they just they decided to get out of a relationship, right? It, it touched my heart and I was like, God, this is why. Right. I had no idea. I was writing a book like, who I don't know who's going to like it, who's going to even read it, who's going to feel it. Because that's how like, when you write it, I felt like Erica Badu. Look, I'm sensitive by my itch. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm not here for the smoke. I'm not here to tussle with you ladies. I'm not going to tussle with you. But it's a beautiful moment. And even though I share really challenging moments in my life, like about my son's father, right? The beautiful thing is I sat down with his wife and we talked about it for hours. Oh, wow. yes, this is, I remember that. And that it, like, that's what I'm talking about. When you have a story and the intention is pure, it doesn't matter who it's talking about because they know where it came from. Yeah, they know where it came right? from. They know where it came from. And it didn't come from a place of hate, hostility, jealousy, because it was way past, right? That. And it's okay if that's where you are. You own it, right? I did some crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. <laughs> I talk about. I was on some other stuff, you know what I'm saying, about about that name. However, you can look back on it and go, gosh, God is so good because I had no idea I was going to be this today. 
I had no idea. I had never, when I met him, I, I had never left the country. I had never done anything for myself. I was like, mom, sacrificial, everything is for my son. And then I had to start really living. And it was this book that made me say, hey, I got to start really living. I have to start doing something outside of just doing stuff as mom and as wife and as ex-wife and as a parent of this and you know, head of that and as therapist. How am I taking care and showing up for Khadija? Right. And that's why I have no shame in any of them. You can take care of everyone else and and do it beautifully and never take care Mm. of yourself. And I think when you Mm. allowed yourself to be vulnerable, number one, it was a Mm. sense of freedom for you and a sense of freedom for other people. And then when you accepted that and you said, this is my story, I'm going to own it. You were able to move on and do some things for Khadija. You drop that load in in your book. (laughs) Never look back. And that's the thing is, is you can never, the vulnerability piece is so key because there's so many breakthroughs that come when you really, again, you hold no shame. So even the things you would do differently and even it's like you count it all joy. You know what I'm saying? You count it all joy because without that, I wouldn't have had that. And that's literally has shown up in my life over and over again. You know, I, when I, I was a church girl, like I would go to church and I would be always asking, why would God allow all of this pain in the world? I was super duper sensitive child, super duper empathic child, right? And this, the sister, you know, the, the one that ran a Sunday school would be like, God doesn't waste pain. Period. There is no pain that has no purpose. Period. So, when she said that, I was like, wow, God loves us so much that any amount of pain has to have a purpose. You mean he's not going to let us just be hurt for nothing? And I felt for whatever reason, hey, that, that's really compassionate that, you know, things are going to happen, but it's always going to have a purpose. And that's why I want to tell a story. And, you, and, and one other thing I want to talk about. I feel like if you cannot shift into acceptance of your life, it's really hard for you to be vulnerable because a lot of times you don't want to accept the trauma. You don't want to accept things that you've gone through. You don't want to accept disappointments, failures, letdowns, mishaps that you've had. And when you can't accept that, you don't want to be vulnerable and tell anybody else about it. Right. I think that, you know, it's it's very... You know, we're in this great group of women who are go-getters and superstars in business and reaching to the tippity top. But I think sometimes, you know, from social media and stuff, if I didn't know you know you right, it's easy to see the finished product. It's real easy to see the finished product. I remember somebody, a good friend of mine said, I want to write my story about business and how to do this and how to market. And I said, well, you need to tell your story because anybody can tell you what one plus one is two. We want to know how you learned it. Right. We want to know what got you there. We want to know what your family was like. We want to know your trials and tribulations. I don't want to tell all that. People don't care about the other stuff. They can go to Google, right? They We are connected to people because we have we all are strong women and men that have beautiful stories. And then we'll look at your information, right? But if you don't connect with me on like a spiritual level, it's like you ever met somebody and you immediately was like, ooh. Mm-mm. can't receive it because the energy, the energy, right. Was like, nope. But when you feel somebody being vulnerable to you 
And they're like, I got so much from that. Khadija, I got so much from that because your energy was so high. You could tell that you were committed to this purpose that you have on this earth. And that was just a beautiful thing. I was like, well, I can never turn my back on that, ever, no matter what. And when you accepted your life and you were vulnerable about it, I have seen you over the past year and a half just blossom. Like you going hard. I, I see you. And Thank you. Thank you. You know, when you wrote this book, it it just seems like you started getting opportunity after opportunity. Things started opening up, you know. Everything yeah. that was behind your vulnerability yes. came to the light yes. once you put it out there. I, I think that once you listen to your purpose and you do it, I was so worried. You know, when you when you're starting out, you're like, "This is my first book. I'm not even that great grammar. I'm not even, <laughs> like, I have great English." Like. I don't know how to be telling stuff. I be talking like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, ain't nobody going to get it. And then when you really sit down with your heart and you pour it from, like I said, a place of intention, a, a place that's God given, people receive it. And I wish I could tell you that I went out here and did what Nicole told us to do and pitched and pitched. But no, people start just coming to me. People was like, oh, I got a commercial for you. to do. Oh, we're doing a thing on trauma. Oh, we're doing the work. Oh, you know, when you want to do a black girl retreat. Okay. I'll give you the place. I'll give you the money. When you're doing and you're operating in your gift, this is what I've learned is really there's just a path that is cleared. All you got to do is show up. And I tell people that all the time. People be like, you be out there working out outside at 7 a.m. and 18 degrees because I promised myself I was going to show up. That's it. Every hard thing, I just show up. And sometimes it goes great. Sometimes not so much. But if I kept showing up consistently, things change. You see, I've changed. My body changed. My face changed. My whole opportunities have changed because I literally just said, show up. Don't be ashamed of what happened in the past. Don't be ashamed. You know better. You do better. My life ain't going to be like this next year this time. Right. You know that. Life ain't going to look like this next year this time. And I'm okay with that. So I want to ask you a question. And this is something that I ask all of my guests. And and I and I I know you're gonna I kind of know what you're gonna say, but I'm gonna let you say it. <laughs> if you had to basically tell the audience one shift that they should start with, and it could be something that is an action step or some shift in their mindset to be mm-hmm. able to free themselves so that they can get on their path to personal and professional success, what would that be? Okay. Now, I guess I will have to tell a story. Tell it. This story, you know, to everybody who has a course or class with me or is my client, I tell the story of the cupcake, right? And remember you being a little kid, right? And you going to a birthday party. And I personally love cupcakes, but I don't know if you personally love cupcakes. But every time I would go to a birthday party, I would look forward to getting a cupcake. And I went to this birthday party and I would say this to little kids and stuff like that. And, um, party was great. And I got dressed up, my hair got done and I got a gift for the person. And it was the end of the party and everybody was leaving. And I realized I never got my cupcake. I never got what I came for. I came, I dressed up, I got the gift. I I, I had all these intentions and I never got that cupcake. 
And I came home sad and depressed and like, what happened? What if I told you they never had cupcakes at that party? Hmm. What if I told you that cupcake and a cupcake, that cupcake represents the love that you wanted, the, the life that you wanted, the purpose that you wanted, how you wanted someone to treat you. See, I think for me, that's ultimately shifted my life is accepting that other people didn't have my cupcake. Exactly. My own many times in life, we assume somebody's out here having our cupcake and not giving it to us because they don't like us. And because we don't look a certain way, we don't have certain things. But honestly, the world is so crazy. There's so many things going on in people's spirits and in people's lives. A lot of times people ain't even never learned how to make a cupcake. And that's what I tell my clients. That's what I tell people who, who work with me is, we just assume people have the cupcake. We never actually ask, do you have what I need? Can you give me the love, the care, the friendship that I'm longing for? We just assume it's a no and we never ask. But if we really understood and we had compassion, we would say, hey, this is the kind of cupcake I'm looking for. Do you have it? No. Okay. You would feel completely different knowing that somebody didn't have the cupcake and didn't give it to you versus somebody having the cupcake and not giving it to you. Wow. That's what's up. That's what's up. It's a whole sermon. A whole sermon. Yeah. Shift into knowing that people don't always have our cupcake. They don't always have it. And we just, and I said, would you feel, how would you feel knowing that they never had it anyway? See, I'm okay if you didn't have it and you didn't give it. I may not be so okay if you have it and you didn't give it. But for me to assume you have it, that's on me. I'm making an assumption. I never asked. That's powerful. That's something to think about. And I know I know you mm-hmm. definitely put something on the listeners' mind. They're going to be thinking about that cupcake. They're going to be thinking about, that, be cupcake about that cupcake for days, trying to figure Listen, out how to get it, how to ask end, for it. At the end of every session, every group that I do, and everybody tells me, ever since I tell that cupcake story, they start looking at their wife, their husband different, their mom and dad different, their children different, because there's something about us that really somewhere deep down inside, we be thinking people have our cupcake and they just not giving it to us. We be thinking that. Most people be like, they got it. They're just being mean. We never consider. And I said, a lot of people have gone back to their family, their parents and said, they start asking questions like, how were you erased? How do you know your mom knew how to be a mom? Who told her? Right. You're just assuming she was taught how to make cupcakes. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe that's why she didn't have yours. And maybe you have your own. Ding, 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 ding. That's the magical thing. That's the magical thing. You, you got your own days. cupcake. You have your own cupcakes. And guess what? Other people have cupcakes for you as well. Maybe just not that particular person, but we all have cupcakes to have for us and we have cupcakes to give to other people. They're called our gifts. And you get cupcakes all the time, just maybe not from the person you expected it to come from. But that doesn't mean you go without a cupcake. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets seven. Yes. Word of the day. The cupcake. Yes. I'm with it. (laughs) Yes. Everybody gets cupcakes. Okay. (laughs) So. So one of the things I always say, and it's something that you said earlier, we're all a work in progress. And Mm -hmm. I am really passionate about letting people know 
that I'm not perfect. I don't always have good times. Mm-hmm. I'm always in a position where something happens and I need to shift in some mm. way, form or fashion because it's an ongoing process. Whenever you mm-hmm. get to that particular magical place, mm-hmm. you're going to find that life comes in and it will knock you out. So how do you shift back to that place where you feel that you are experiencing success in your life? So I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you, if there's one area that mm-hmm. you feel that you need to make some shifts in, whether there's mindset shifts or action shifts, what mm-hmm. is your shift zone right now? Where is Khadija? What is, what is Khadija working on? I am working on always compassion for other people who hurt me. It's a ongoing work. Same way I talk about the cupcakes is the same way I have to apply it to myself. Ain't nothing like success and movements to bring people. It's almost like they hear it and I'm going to tell you something. When I wasn't doing nothing and I was playing around writing this book and going back and forth and can I even write? I had people to chill with all the time. I had people who were calling me all the time. I always got something good to say. Always want to share something. As soon as I got serious about my life, my purpose, and my intention, everybody had a problem with me. Hmm. Everybody wanted to, to have something to say. It's just the way that life is because you are shifting, right? You are shifting. And maybe they ain't shifting how you shifting. And they want you to stay with them. They want you to stay in that position. They want you to stay doing what you've been doing. Why? Because it makes them comfortable. So that was the thing is, you know, I'd be like, but why? But why? But why? I stopped asking why and I started accepting. I started accepting. They don't have my cupcake, right? They don't have that thing for me. God's pushing me to a certain level and it's going to be certain people you're going to have to accept can't come. But guess what? There'll be new people to meet you at the next level. So right now you're just like, you got to push through. You got to do what you got to do. That doesn't mean you have to leave them. And I said, this is the important thing. So many people think that when you say goodbye, it's got to be goodbye, F you. Sometimes it's goodbye, love you. Correct. Sometimes I love you. I love you. Goodbye. I love you. I wish you the best. Goodbye. Everything is not anger. And I was speaking to a group of women just the past Sunday. And here's what I told them. When you start walking in your purpose and doing things that God has for you, there's a vision that you see. Mm. Most people can't see your vision when you see it. And when people don't see things with the naked eye, a lot of times they don't mm. believe in it. And if you're not mm. careful, you'll feel like they don't believe in you. And if you're not right. confident, their lack right. of belief in you will deter you from your vision. And it's just a part of it. And like you said, you do have to have compassion for people Mm. who just, they can't see it. Sometimes you got to, you got to leave in love, right? You got to leave in love because we are all, like you said, works in in progress just because they're not where you are and they can't see the vision. I, I posted early on my social media. A lot of times people can't see you for who you are because their lens is filled with doubt, hurt, trauma, pain, and fear. That's blocking their vision of you. 
So it's not sometimes something you ain't doing enough of this or doing enough of that. It's they got all those other things to clear the way to really see what your true intention is. And you know what else they see? Mm -hmm. A lot of people can see you until you get to the point of transformation. They're mm. so used to seeing you for what you used to be, who you used to be. They're holding you. on to something that you are no longer. And that's what I'm trying to say. You probably got high school friends, middle school friends that are looking at you like, she thinks she all that. They ain't seen you for real. They don't know you. It's 20 years later, 15 <laughs> years later, 10 years later. Look, you just, Did you expect me to be that same teacher? You just not getting to know you. So how they know you? Look, I just said last month, I said, I'm still reintroducing myself to the new me. I like literally am transforming myself, my body, my spirit, everything. So every day I'm like, dang, Khadija, I didn't even know you like that. I'm knowing you. Who Who is this you? That, that, what is this new thing you like? These new foods, these you reintroducing you to yourself. So if they ain't talked to you in 10 years, baby, they really are far behind. The thing is, do they want to get to know the new you? The new, the, it, are they going to get to know you in a place knowing that you're going to evolve and you're going to change and you are going to shift, right? And I'm going to be honest with you. When I work with people who are healing, the first thing I tell them is there's going to be a lot of grief here because you're going to have to let go. And that is the sad part. You're going to heal. We're going to help you. You're going to get there. I'm 100% I can help you. I can help you, right? Get to where you need to be in a healed place. But that doesn't mean that everybody's going to like it. And it doesn't mean everybody's going to follow. And that's where the grief comes in. You can't heal without grieving because you will have to let go. Who mm, mm, mm. he said a mouthful then. You really do. You really, really, really do. And that's a that's a really, really good point to just, you know, shift into having compassion for people who just cannot see you for who you are. They can't. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary. As scared as you are of the next level, scared as you are, you're gonna be sitting down with Oprah pretty soon, right? Val? You're right. gonna be sitting down. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna be on Super Soul Sunday and whatnot. That's the plan. And you are going to say, oh my God, I never, when I was talking to Khadija, I never thought this was going, I'm, until it happens, right? And it's, see, as scared as you would be when you're sitting maybe with Oprah, the, not scared, but just the anxious and the, that's how your friends now, right? Your connections, the people who are watching you feel about you now. They're scared. You're, you're going to, you're going to a place that they're not comfortable with. You know, I've, I've literally sat down and I've had, conversation challenging conversations with those friends and it's usually met with aggression and hostility and I'm not surprised and you know when I say I said you know when they hit me with the da -da 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 -da, I'm like hey what do we come here to accomplish oh, where do we come here to accomplish are we coming to an agreement are we coming to an end because you can you got to decide first of all I'm not First of all, you can't come to a conversation like that with a therapist <laughs> who's going to be providing therapy to you and you don't even know it during the whole conversation. <laughs> you know, are we coming to agreement? Or are we coming to something else? Because there's something else we need to. I'm, I'm in a different type of zone. Right. But you people be so scared. And I think 
you know, um, I, I studied with Baba Wakesa, right? This like really awesome man with Eye Institute. And I remember what he said is scared is the only emotion that people will kill for. What have you killed because you were scared? Hmm. Right. Think about it. When somebody breaks in your house, fear, the first thing you want to do is protect yourself. The first thing you want to do is what? Attack them. That I'm just giving you an example, but I'm telling you emotionally, when someone's emotionally scared, they do the exact same thing. Attack, kill, go after, hostile, aggressive. Think about the last time you shifted. How many people got at you? Because they wanted to kill whatever dream you had, whatever next level you, Oprah, that you thought you was going to get. They want to kill that because they are scared. They're just scared. Oh, Khadijah. Talk about it. Let them have it, okay? I'm telling you, think about it. Scared is a big emotion. I'll be working through, that's what I'm saying. You have to work through the scared. You got to give yourself reassurance. You got to give yourself all the things. You got to give yourself support, time, all of that, because be prepared. People are scared. And you got to tell people, look, this is going to be a scary place for me too. I ain't never did this before. This is a first for me too, right? Walk through it and navigate it together if you can, but also be prepared. Scared is enough of people to attack. It don't even have to be no weapon. Well, you move it. Well, it's what? scary. They can attack on because we going to keep it pushing. So I have exactly. one last question for you. And this is something I just like to ask all of my guests. So if you had one word to describe you, what would that one word be and why? Ooh, compassionate. Compassionate because... I wake up every day and remind myself um, that God was compassionate to me. As no one who's made more mistakes, missteps, misgivings, and misjudgment than Khadija Tashawn Washington. And yet, through grace and compassion, I'm here. I love it. I love it. That's that's a whole word. That's a whole word. I'm trying to well, can't look at nobody else different. When you think about that, you really can't. When you think about yourself and the fact that I always say life has showed me some grace. So why can't I show mm-hmm. anyone else grace? Listen, I, I def- I'm definitely you. had a lot of. It. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people tell me all the time I'm scared. You know, I want to know if I can do this. And I remind them every single day. I'm going to remind your listeners. Don't ever forget who created you. You are unbreakable. Why would God create something that could be broken? Other people were created too. You was created and you was created. I'm going to create somebody who can break you? Impossible. The illogicalness of it all. No, illogicalness. This breaks you. This, your mind, your mindset breaks you. Another person can never. Exactly. Which is why this thing I call the shift zone is ongoing. You yes. will be shifting in and out of things for the rest of your life. And if Absolutely. you think you won't, you need to think again. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to think again. That's the most important point that I always try to just drive home. That this is mm-hmm. a life. We just live in it one day at a time. Absolutely. Absolutely. One day, one day at, at a time. time. Well, Khadijah, I'm just going to tell you, it's been real. it's been real I have enjoyed this conversation with you and I know that the listeners are going to walk away 
with some tips and tools Uh, that are going to help them both activate and step into their zones of personal and professional success. And this is your first time being on the show, but I'm quite sure, especially when that second book comes out, it won't be your last because we're going to have to talk about it. Oh, definitely. I'm coming to you first. You know, I'm sending you a book and uh, I'm coming to you first because you're getting exclusive, exclusive. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. And until next time. Just a quick and friendly reminder, if you want to learn more about myself, Val Dorsey, you can visit my website at www.valdorsey.com. Subscribe to the podcast to receive notification of the latest shows when they come out. And if you want to stay connected to me, you can follow me on Instagram at Val Dorsey or on Facebook at I am Val Dorsey. You can also visit Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Google, Amazon, wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a five-star review for the show and provide positive feedback. We'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts. Thank you for taking your time to listen to the show and take care.